Welcome to the Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope and pray you'll encounter God as you listen to this message. We're really excited to have Duncan and Kate with us today. So why don't you just welcome up Duncan and Kate. Woo! Come on! We're really blessed to have you both with us today. And so I'm just going to let you guys go for it, really. It's your space. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan and Ashley, and thank you, everyone, for welcoming us, and we just feel so welcome, and it it felt like we were stepping home into um, a a very familiar place of really diving into his presence and, and enjoying him coming into the room and just filling us afresh, and, um, you know, we, we love you, we've loved you over the years, and, you know, I just saw that there's such a deep well of pressing in, pressing in, there's like a determination, and I just want to declare over you that there is a determination in the spirit that God has given you for Pinner and for the surrounding areas of this area of London. And um, I saw you declaring the praises and um, walls in the spirit were falling down. And I saw that um, the Lord has brought many people from the nations to declare the praises that we hear in heaven to bring here on the earth. And and I'd, it's like, Worship is your weapon of warfare. And, you know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but I just saw that the Holy Spirit wanted to bring a breakthrough anointing on the back of your praises and your crying out to the Lord. It's not just coming into his presence to have a a goosebump moment and a little tickle and transform my heart alone, although it is. But it's as as you are freed in those places of your heart that God turns it into a weapon for the dominion of darkness and that the principalities around here, we're not fighting. We're partnering with heaven to see Jesus get his reward of his suffering, the nations as his, his inheritance. That's hard to say. So I just see that there's a declaration that it's going to be easy to pray. It's easy because heaven is poured out on us as we reach to him, he pours out. But I just saw that our weapon is our voice. It's um, declaring the praises of God for your region, for your neighborhood, for your workplace. And so as you, we keep our eyes on Jesus, he always has a better vision than we do. And we surround ourselves and say, yes, give us your vision. Give us your vision to see the hearts of people and where you want them to see you in your glory. And I love that thing, that tagline of dwell where our eyes would see Jesus. And that's our prayer for this region, that catch the fire this catch the fire church would take its place in introducing people to see jesus so bless you all we love you so good good. thank you so much ah so good to see you all and so good to be here with you we've carried this church in our hearts for 14 years since it started and uh yeah we love this church and um it would be uh, it'd be nice to just 
Why don't you all just stand up for a moment? Okay, so we're not playing stand up, sit down. I just want to, I just want to follow what I felt the Holy Spirit show me yesterday. So if you joined this church in the last two years, would you be willing to sit down? If you joined this church in the last two years, take a seat. Excellent. And if you joined this church in the last five years, take a seat. So if you joined this church in the last eight years, take a seat. How's that? Okay. Great. So we have a fairly new church. Have a look around. So if you joined this church in the last 10 years, take a seat. Okay, so we've got some people that were here close to 14 years ago. If you were here right at the beginning, uh, stay standing. Everyone else, take a seat. Okay, so you both were, you were here, Dan, on that day. Dan's the only one. Well done, Dan. Awesome. That's amazing. The original member of the church standing right here. Whew. Feel the presence of Jesus. Because he's standing right next to Dan. See, this church has been here a long time. 14 years is a long time. And he has stewarded this church. The Holy Spirit is the senior pastor of this church. And you know what? Through all the different uh, seasons of this church, and Kate and I, we know what that's like. Um, we've been part of Catch the Fire for 23 years. We know what seasons look like and feel like. And, uh, you know, many, if, if Dan's the only one standing, then many of the Catch the Fire London family are now somewhere in England. Many of them. And that's because this church, from the get-go, this church was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the heart of John and Carol Arnott. And at that time, uh, they shared with Kate and I, um, because we had just started a Toronto church, a Catch the Fire church. We had just started it a year earlier in 2008 in Raleigh, North Carolina. And that was the first Catch the Fire church outside of Toronto. And John and Carol and Kate and I and Steve and Sandra were stewarding the blueprints of the Holy Spirit concerning this revival that started in Toronto, particularly in Toronto became famous in Toronto, but of course the Holy Spirit has been moving all over the world. We don't have any kind of ownership of revival. The Holy Spirit has been moving all over the world since he was brooding over the waters 6,000 plus years ago. Okay, a long time before Catch the Fire ever became something in the hearts and minds of human beings. But the Holy Spirit in, in our experience of revival that this church is a part of, the Holy Spirit crashed in in a sovereign way on a church called the Toronto Airport Vineyard Christian Fellowship on January the 20th, 1994. 
of people, about 120, only half of the church showed up. It was a Thursday night, and a guest speaker came. John and Carol had just come back from Argentina, where they had just been uh, received a powerful impartation. And this speaker called Randy Clark arrived at their invitation because they had heard that he too had received a mighty impartation from Randy Clark. Uh, sorry, from um, Rodney Howard Brown. And so John and Carol had heard that the Holy Spirit had broken out among a group of pastors in the vineyard movement that they were part of. So they invited Randy to come. Randy had never been out of the state of, Louis, of um, Missouri, let alone outside of America. And he came with his knees knocking, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he stood up and he just shared for, a, you know, I don't know, half hour or so about how the Holy Spirit was moving. And then just said, and if anybody would like the Holy Spirit, just stand up. And John says that people looked at each other and were like, yeah, that sounds like a great, oh, yeah, that, that's, yeah, why, sure, why not? See, because back then, people didn't do what y'all did this morning. Back then, I remember it, Kate and I were like 25, 26, something like that. And nobody expected, well, very few people expected God to visit a church, let alone use language like crash in on us. It was like unheard of. You go to church and you just hope that, you know, you get a little touch. Well, as they stood up, kaboom, the Holy Spirit hit everyone en masse. I'm fizzing just thinking about it. Hit everybody en masse so powerfully that the word glory, kabod, means weightiness. Nobody could stand up in the presence of God. People were mushed under the floor, under the seats. Nobody made it to the front as far as I, I'm un, I understand. The Lord just sovereignly came. And of course, the next day, the other half of the church also showed up. Everybody came. And not just everybody in the church. Well, pretty much everybody in the church. The following night, which was the third night, now some of the people in other churches around the city had heard about what had happened on two nights now. So now a third night. And then by the fourth night, it was packed. By the fifth night, the lineup was round the, you know, around the church and out the door in like minus 30 Celsius. Because we're talking Toronto, Canada in January. People in their thick coats, gloves, hats, scarves, boots, lining up because the presence of Jesus was in that building. And John knew in the Holy Spirit, this is what they had been waiting for their whole lives. And so John said, we're just going to keep going. And that started 12 years of people coming from all over the world every single night. An average of 1,000 people a night. Now just think about that for a moment. I don't know how many people there are in this room, but... It wasn't that much bigger than this group when God crashed in. And it kept going for 12 years. Every single night. Except after six months, 
John realized and Carol realized, wow, uh, we need to take Mondays off. So they had Mondays off. Other than Mondays off for the next 11 and a half years, the Holy Spirit continued to just honor all of the people that came from all over the world. Kate and I were among those people. Our first encounter with this move of God was up in Newcastle. And we went up to Newcastle because we heard that the Holy Spirit was moving. And it was in 1994. We went up to Newcastle. And it was a Sunday morning, about the same sort of size of this group. And yet we saw things that we had never in our lives ever seen before in church. Like Kate and I were both baptized in the Holy Spirit. We both spoke in tongues. The Lord had used me to open somebody's blind eyes. The Lord had used me to heal somebody that was paralyzed and had not walked and was about eight or nine years old, and he was instantly healed. I had seen the power of God, but I had never seen demonstrations of the Spirit's power in the kind of ways that just makes you so shocked you don't know how to define or figure out what God's doing. I'll give you an example. My brother and sister who were part of this church who had invited us to come, their friend was nine months pregnant. She was one of those nine months pregnant ladies that was not just a little bump. You know, you know there are some ladies that for whatever reason, I don't know what, what the you know, biology is, but their bump is, you know, pretty tight and well, this lady, her bump was so far out, I thought maybe there's triplets in there. I didn't know. But she, as the Holy Spirit moved on mass in England, in Newcastle, in a pretty much student, predominantly student ch church, she hit the deck face down on top of her belly and started vibrating like furiously vibrating, like, like somebody had taken one of those pneumatic drills on her back while she's on the floor, like this. And I'm like, oh, please, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to call an ambulance because she's about to give birth. She did not give birth. The baby was fine and been a revivalist ever since. No, that's a joke. I don't know. But Kate and I were totally shocked. And... People came in their hundreds of thousands. Some say even three to four million people. I don't know exactly how many. I just know when Kate and I, by the time we arrived in Toronto, hungry, 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 having encountered the Lord many times in that journey from 94 to 2000 when we arrived to go to a conference to ask God to just bless our plans to go into business back home in England. When we walked in, the Holy Spirit encountered us so powerfully and he undid us and I would I, I want you to know that there's something about this move of God that is now going all over the world that when you get touched by the Holy Spirit you're never the same again and I want you to just understand those of you who've perhaps more recently joined this church. This church is part of a move of the Holy Spirit that is sovereign. And God, for whatever reason, chose fit to choose John and Carol and the church in Toronto to be the initial epicenter of 
a move of the Spirit that I would say, by the grace of God, has reshaped, from my observation, has reshaped the face of Christianity to the point where, in the past, we never quite expected God to show up. Now we actually believe he will. Now we, we really expect that he will. And I want to give glory to Jesus. I want to give glory to God for all that he's done. And that first, that yes, and I thank you very much. Thank you, Lord Jesus, we give you the glory. And um, I wonder if anybody could get me a glass of water, if that would be okay. Um, that first initial phase of 12 years, about, I would say, 10 years into it, the Holy Spirit spoke to us, and he said, through a guy who was studying revivals, historic revivals in the past, since Pentecost, he had discovered that revivals have different phases, especially two particular phases. The first phase of revival is, thank you, Dan, thank you so much. The first phase of revival is the gathering phase. And in the gathering phase, it is hectic. And I just want you to imagine, you know, uh, our church building, the first one, could only seat about 400 people. That's why the lineup was so huge. But the Lord, you know, in his goodness, supplied the finances, and a 76,000 square foot building, which Kate and I have experienced six to 7,000 people in a, built, in a one room, one auditorium, with the Holy Spirit moving at the youth conference way back in 2002. And it was absolutely wild. Because, yes, youth conference, 6,000 something or other, I think 700, I don't remember exactly, forgive me, Lord. Um, but I, the funny thing that I remember is that there was one guy who had a panic attack. I mean, I'm not surprised because, frankly, that many people, even in that building, was crowded big time. But it's even more crowded when everyone is going, like this, you know, like en masse, you know, and people falling, some crying, some laughing, some screaming, everyone going ballistic, you know, for three consecutive nights. And this one guy had a panic attack on the far side. And... And we had the privilege of, of leading that whole situation. And so when, when somebody had a panic attack, they called uh, 911, that's 999 in, in Canada. And I went to the door to uh, wait for the medics to arrive, you know. Well, in Canada and the U.S., when you dial 911, all three of the emergency services arrive. And you never quite know who's going to come first. It could be, could be the ambulance, you hope it is. could be the fire truck, could be the police officers. Where's the fire truck? Okay? So the guy comes, he's got this huge helmet on, he's got all of his stuff on, and he comes running in like this into the corridor before, and I'm there, and he takes one look, he's the, he's the boss of the truck, and he's like, <gasps> like this. And he sees all these people laid out and screaming and going ballistic, and he hits his radio, it's an emergency! <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, it's okay, I understand, we can talk about it later. It's that one guy over there. 
And it, what? Oh, it was absolutely hilarious. And that's, in the, that's what happens in the gathering phase. It's like, you know, it, it's just, it's out of control and totally in control. Because the Holy Spirit's in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's a little bit like the difference between a, a plantation and a rainforest. You know, I grew up in Nigeria. I was born in Nigeria. And I know there are some of you that are Nigerian. I know I don't look Nigerian. But on the inside, I'm a black Nigerian, just trying to get out of this white skin. But unfortunately, I'm stuck with it. God made it like this. But I'm actually a Nigerian. I'm a Nigerian. I know there's probably some of you that you're about, or maybe Ibo, or you know, some of the Om, or some of those other um, Nigerian groups that we, I meet more often than I meet house of people. But every now and then I meet a house of person, and oh my goodness, they test my house a big time. I'm like, wow, I'm getting caught out now. Kinaji Hausa. Ah, Sanunki. Yowa, Kinalafia. Nakwana. Yowa, Vagajia. So, you know, <laughs> mama. Wow, wow, awesome. So, you know, um, and, you know, in, in Nigeria, one of my favorite things, I grew up on the edge of the Sahara Desert up in Maiduguri, which is like in Borno State, you know. Right now, very dangerous, but back then, you know, there were some dangers, but nothing like, you know, uh, what happened very sadly with Boko Haram and all of that, you know. But um, growing up and, you know, uh, we would go down to the rainforest because we love rainforest so much. We'd go down on vacation into the south, southeastern corner and um, near Calabar and all of that. And what I saw in rainforests is extraordinary biodiversity. And, you know, every... Millions, no doubt, of species of animals, fauna and flora. And it looks like, it looks like chaos. Because everything's like this and Liana's hanging down and everything, you know, there's noises of birds and animals. Everything sounds really, to you who are used to order, it looks like chaos. But actually, it's so orderly that if you just took out one species from the rainforest, you can endanger the whole rainforest. Meanwhile, on the other hand, you go to a plantation and, you know, right on the edge of Plateau State, we used to have these, they used to have these big teak and mahogany plantations. And I would see those on the way down to the rainforest. And those were planted by human beings. And every single tree looked exactly the same. They were all in line. Whether you look that way, that way, or that way, everything lined up. You could take out one of those trees and it didn't affect the other trees one iota because there was very, very low biodiversity. And you can see that all over the world. You go to an apple orchard in England, you'll see a lack of biodiversity. It's just apples in there. But you go to somewhere in England that's wild and you'll see everything growing, right? And the thing is about the church is Jesus is Lord. He's the one who said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, he didn't promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it if you and I start building his church. Wow. 
And so that's a, that's a little sobering thought to allow Jesus to be Lord and to follow his lead as the senior pastor and the head of the church. And we can be free from all the effects of the enemy's attacks when Jesus is Lord of his church. And, and we might not understand what the Holy Spirit's doing in a moment. We don't, we don't know, for example, what God was necessarily doing in the hearts of each person. And I just want to say something helpful that I've learned uh, from John and Carol as I, as, uh, you know, in the last 23 years is that when, when the Holy Spirit moves, manifestations is not the Holy Spirit. Okay? Manifestations is our human bodily response to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And seeing as he's made every snowflake unique, unrepeated, never once has he repeated a single snowflake, he probably really likes it that you and I manifest uniquely when he touches us. And he's not looking for you and I to be like the next person. He's not looking for little John and Carol's. He's looking for each of us to be the unique people he made us to be and to experience him uniquely and to just shikabongo, just flow with him and be respectful and honoring of what he's doing in the person next to us. See, Kate and I, we, we, we respond differently to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know, if I try to be like Kate, which is very easy for me to try to be like her, because she just seems way ahead of me in the Spirit half the time. I'm like, why can't I just be as sensitive to the Holy Spirit? But you see, we're uni I'm uniquely wired, and you're uniquely wired. So in the gathering phase, it can look like chaos. But then when God moves in a particular epicenter with a particular people, as he did in Toronto, as he's done many times in history. He's always looking for it to go to the world, everybody. We're like, come to us. And he's like, you go to the world. And we're like, no, we like it here. I like it here on these prayer lines. And he's like, yep, I'll keep touching you, but I'm not looking for nightly prayer lines now. I want daily encounters through you in your workplace. I'm looking for your bakery to blow up with my presence. Not blow up to look like what you just came out of, but blow up with the love of your heavenly daddy. Because I love them as much as I love you. And so we be then began the second phase. I'm sure it wasn't the second, but what I knew is the second phase. Another phase, good, thank you, Kate. It's the scattering phase. The scattering phase, when God turns the church inside out and sends them all over the world. He did it in Jerusalem. In the beginning, right after Pentecost, they just had a Jerusalem paradigm. They're like, it's Jerusalem. And he's like, no, I want you to go all over the world. I want you to take this to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. Man, I wish I was that cute when I was little. All right. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to just start in chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 16b. 
for you, and it's not because I'm ignoring all the rest of it. I just want to, I'm conscious of time. I want to get straight into um, just the few things that the Lord showed me for this morning just to share with you. For you are the temple of the living God. I have a little note there that says that word you is plural in the Greek. See, we tend to think of me. And we have a problem of worshipping the trinity of me, myself, and I. And how do we know? Well, when our needs and our self in our consciousness is bigger than Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And so you, you might not be like me, but I tend to think about myself a little more than I would like to. And one of the ways that God has wired us to help us think less of ourselves and think more of him is to see him in those around us. And so he loves the plurality of community. He loves his church. And very often we tend to think he loves his church because I'm in it. And actually, he does love the church because I'm in it and you're in it. But he loves us together. He loves us together. And in actual fact, although we worship with our hands up or maybe on our knees or on our faces or maybe just sitting however we worship, he does love our worship. But his favorite worship of all is when we love him in someone else. And in fact... We, he actually says, if we're not careful, we can kid ourselves because we say that we love God who we can't see. And yet we hate our brother who we can see. And hatred towards any human being when we're worshiping or in the presence causes that worship and the way we behave in the presence to be something that actually causes a grieving in the Holy Spirit. And the true measure of our worship of Jesus and our love for Jesus is our love for one another, our love for each other. And so Paul says, for you, plural, in, in North Carolina where Kate and I live, it's easy. We just say, all y'all. <laughs> for all y'all are the temple of the living God. As, God's has said, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I shall be their God, and they shall be my people. And he's quoting right here Hosea and Isaiah. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. He's quoting the old covenant there. He's directing those words not to the church. He's, those words were spoken by the prophet to the world, saying, come out from among them. And now Paul is quoting that. The implication being, you've already come out. You're already separate from them. I want to remind you that you've come out and that you're separate. And I want to remind you that God is building you into the temple of the Lord. Living stones being fitted together, carefully knitted together. And by the way, the implication is, it's still not yet built. He's taking, so far, 2,000 years building this temple. And you and I are fitted in, but there's a whole world out there that he's excited about bringing in. So he's not saying to you and I come out and be separate from them. 
No, he already said that to us, and you already responded, and you said yes. Now you're in. Now he's saying, you're the temple. But I want you to know, I want you to make room, because I'm bringing them all in. I'm bringing all of my sons and daughters home. And then he says this, verse 18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And I just love, Dan, the way you led us in that beautiful moment of encounter with the Father. That was so beautiful, and I just felt really touched in the Lord. So thank you for that, Dan and Ashley. You guys led that beautifully. And by the way, thank you to the worship team. Oh my goodness gracious, you guys really helped facilitate an amazing experience of, of worship and encounter with Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And I felt, like Kate said, I felt very at home. I just, as soon as you guys started, my hands were out and I felt this warmth of the presence of Jesus all over me that I'm I'm just so thankful to him, we feel all across the world. Do you know that you are one of 200 plus Catch the Fire churches, ministries, and missions? You're not alone. You're part of an amazing global family. And, you know, thank you for introducing us as mom and dad, and I love your heart. But really, the father is our heavenly daddy of the movement. Kate and I are not really mom and dad at all, actually. <laughs> Neither are John and Carol, but I love Dan's heart in that. But I do want to just set that straight in the sense of each one of us right here, it says right here, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And I'm not rebuking Dan in any way. He knows that. That's not a rebuke of Dan because I love his heart in the way he said that. It's just because I want you to know that the father and the mother that you're longing for, Tanya, I love the way you just helped us, reminded us of what El Shaddai means, you know, and that God is likening himself to a nurturing mother for each of us, although he has chosen to reveal himself as father predominantly, but mother comes out of father. Eve came out of Adam. And so God loves each one of us and that father and that mother that every one of us, that perfect mom and dad that every one of us, he created us to have, our own moms and dads, even though they're amazing and maybe they weren't that amazing, maybe they were actually very hurtful. The reality is every one of us were given a mom and dad to actually show us that there's someone who's our true mom and dad. That's God himself. And we're created to know him. And we're his sons and daughters. And when Jesus died on the cross for us all, he didn't just die to save us from our sins, which he did. He died to join us to himself and the Father forever. And in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.26 says, you've all be through faith in Jesus Christ, you've all become sons of God. Or you could say, you've all become sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And every person in this room who's given their lives to Jesus, congratulations, you are now a full son of your heavenly father, a full daughter of your heavenly father.
And, you know, I like to think, well, if I have to learn to become the bride of Christ for eternity, some of you girls can learn to be the sons of God for eternity. It's kind of, you know, he equals it out. And then it says this. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. And that word perfecting is actually bringing to complete maturity. Bringing to maturity. And so even though our Father in heaven, our heavenly daddy in Christ Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, and even before we put our faith in Jesus, the spirit of daddy, the spirit of Jesus, who led us to faith in Jesus, in leading us to the love of God, led us unconditionally, unconditionally. We didn't have to clean ourselves up. He led us unconditionally. But having led us unconditionally, having made us sons and daughters, he's now saying, I love you just the way you are, but I love you way too much to leave you as you are, as one of my favorite friends says. And so I love that. I love that so much that the Holy Spirit actually wants to change us. And we have a tendency to think everything's going to be forever just the way it is. I'm always going to be stuck in this situation. No, congratulations, you're not. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And if you're willing to cooperate, you're going to change. You're on the journey of change. This church is on the journey of change. Look how we started at the beginning. So many people that were here at the beginning. I was here at the beginning. So many people that were here at the beginning are not part of this church anymore. Some of them are part of other Catch the Fire churches. Some of them are leading other Catch the Fire churches. This church that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, put into John and Carol's hearts. John and Carol began to pray about who to lead it. They asked a couple. That couple said no. They asked Stuart and Chloe. Stuart and Chloe, who were their friends, said yes. And Stuart and Chloe have led this church for the last 14 years. And we thank God for all that the Holy Spirit accomplished in them, and they accomplished in the Holy Spirit. But Stuart and Chloe are no longer the leaders of this church. They have resigned. Dan and Ashley, who've been members of this, Dan's been a member of this church from the first day. And Stuart and Chloe raised them up and did a wonderful job raising them up. But the Holy Spirit also raised them up. Sometimes we can forget that God's at work in all of us, okay? God's at work in Stuart and Chloe. God's at work in John and Carol. God's at work in Duncan and Kate. God's at work in Dan and Ashley. And I want to commend to you your pastors. They are your pastors now. That doesn't mean that they take the Holy Spirit's place. Not at all. In fact, to be honest with you, we're just lead sheep. We're just lead sheep. I'll take you to Nigeria or Niger, and I'll show you how flocks are led. They're led by the lead sheep striding out, and all the other sheep follow. And the shepherds, usually around about 12 years old, are all behind. Got their hands over their, their shepherd sticks, and they're just walking along casually. Why? Because they know the lead sheep just know enough to know where they're supposed to go. That's about it. And they're just like, bah, bah, bah. 
So don't rely on your pastors for your spiritual life. We don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know what we're doing. But the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. He knows how to take a church through all of its seasons and all of its life cycles. And by the way, every single person that ever leaves a church may be the Holy Spirit's at work. Let them go. They don't, nobody belongs to us. I don't belong to you. You don't belong to me. And yet we do belong to one, or one another in Christ Jesus. But we don't have permission to get all mad and upset when the Holy Spirit leads somebody else in what he wants to lead them in. And I always remember this. It's so super helpful. Every one of us will stand before Jesus when it's all over and give an account of our lives. So you don't have to get you know, all mad and upset about somebody else's life. That person is responsible to Jesus only. That's really helped our marriage. Because I've realized I'm not going to be there when Kate is having a chat with Jesus. And Kate's not going to be there when I'm having a chat with Jesus. And you know, sometimes I hurt Kate. And I'll guarantee you that most of the time I don't mean to. Sometimes I do. And I'm very sorry about that, love. But we don't mean to hurt each other most of the time. Sometimes we do. And the blood of Jesus covers us in all of that. But in our hurt, the only thing we can do that is right there in that verse is to cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles us. And what are the things that defile us? Our wrong reactions to everybody else's hurt done to us. Our wrong reactions. That's the only thing we can be responsible for. If you hurt me, I'm not responsible for that. You're responsible to your heavenly father. And you'll answer for that. Hopefully, you'll be covered in the blood of Jesus for hurting me. But if I hurt you, you're not responsible for that. I'm responsible for that. And hopefully, I'll be covered in the blood of Jesus. I know I will. I know you will. Because Jesus died for us all. And on that day, he'll level everything up. He will show you. Every score has been settled. Every moment that you were hurt was paid for in blood. And every way you've hurt others, and by the way, you've hurt people millions of times. Sorry to break that news to you. But you owe God a very big debt. Thank God Jesus' blood will cover you on that day. Let's stand. This church, Catch the Fire London, is in a new season, everybody. It's in a new season. This church is led by Dan and Ashley now. And we honor Stuart and Chloe. And we love them. We're cheering them on in the spirit. But I want to let you know, this church is led by Dan and Ashley, and heaven chose them. And Dan and Ashley have been serving Stuart and Chloe very faithfully for many, many years. I've watched that faithfulness, 
But let me tell you something really important. Actually, they were serving Jesus. They were serving Jesus. And Jesus knows. He knows. He knows our hearts. And he knows each of us. And he has chosen Dan and Ashley. And it's because he likes them, even if you and I don't, which I happen to. But he doesn't consult us. I said he doesn't consult us about who he chooses. He doesn't visit us in the night and say, hey, I'm a little confused. I'm just wondering, what do you think? Who do you think should lead Catch the Fire World? Who, who, who's on your mind to, um, to lead Catch the Fire London? No, he doesn't do that. You know why? Because he's perfect in all of his ways. He doesn't counsel anyone except himself. That's scripture. He counsels within himself. And he has chosen Dan and Ashley. And it is done. It is finished. And if you are happy with that, then this is a great church for you to be part of. And if you're not happy with that, pray about it and ask the Lord where he would have you be. Because for you to be here but not be happy to submit to and come under the authority of Jesus that he has put and placed upon them as the leaders of this church, it will not be a fun experience for you. It will be challenging for you. And without you realizing it, you will open your well-meaning heart for the enemy to use you as an unwitting person. Because the battle is never flesh and blood. It's the principalities and powers, rulers and authorities of this dark world, this evil age. And I don't know about you, but I would rather leave a church and go where God's called me than to be an unwitting person without realizing it of the enemy's dark plans. And so we're not in the business in Catch the Fire of collecting people, everybody. We're in the business of letting Jesus build his church through us. Amen. And we're very mindful that it's not exclusive to us. That yeah. he's building an amazing bride all over the world. But he's after a pure and spotless bride. And he's saying in this word right here, let us cleanse ourselves. In other words, we can't be responsible for the others. We can only be responsible for ourselves. Don't worry about what others think of you. Don't even hesitate to leave a church if God's asking you to do that. And don't think about what will others think about you because it's not none of their business. And if God's calling you to stay in a church, don't think about what others think about that decision. Don't worry about what the village of your community friends around you thinks and has an opinion of. Don't hesitate to simply obey Jesus because it's him that will stand before on that great and marvelous day. Amen. Man, I've preached the best I can in this moment. And I want you to know my heart is as pure before you as it can be. And I have loved you from afar for 14 years. I've had the privilege of coming and preaching many times. I've been friends, and I am friends, for, in my heart, with Stuart and Chloe 
with Dan and Ashley, and with all of you. Shika bungu. Bajenge, buzungu, baranga, babalolua. That's a tongue the Lord gave me in Kyrgyzstan. If you would like in your heart to just commit yourself to the will of Jesus for your life in a unique way, whether to stay, whether to go. And by the way, not everybody is called to be like Dan, who's been here for 14 years. <laughs> and that's okay. But I want to give you an opportunity in this moment, in this change of season and change of leadership. I want you to have an opportunity to present yourself to Jesus, not to Dan and Ashley, to Jesus, to say, here I am, Lord. I've come to do your will. You prepared my body for me just like you did for Jesus, and I'm here to do your will. And if that's what you would like to do, to just, just as a sign before we all leave, I want you to come out here to the front. just want you to come out to the front, say, Jesus, I commit to your will. You're not saying, oh, yeah, this is my church forever. You're not saying I'm leaving. You're just simply saying, Jesus, in this moment, and I'm sure there's been all kinds of confusion. I, I know enough to know that there's all kinds of confusion when there's leadership change, when there's season change. Change is hard. Change is not easy. Change is challenging. But the best thing that we could ever do, yeah, come, come right up. The, the best thing that we can ever do in change is put our little hands into our heavenly daddy's big hands and let the fear of the Lord, which is, the, this is my definition, it, it, it's not written anywhere, but I just think about the fear of the Lord. I think it might be the consciousness of Jesus and the constraint of love. And in the consciousness of Jesus and the constraint of love in the midst of change, put your little hands into your daddy's big hands and let him lead you because no one else will be there on that day. And let go of what defiles you in this moment. And the biggest area of defilement is unforgiveness, bitterness, judgment against others. And oh my goodness, if you're anything like me, when people do things that you don't understand, my first inclination is to judge them. Only to then find, later find out that I've either become just like them, which is a nightmare, because you reap what you sow, or, or it turns out that their motive was totally different and I had no clue what I was judging. So Heavenly Daddy, I thank you with all of my heart for the people that are your people, for the sons and daughters that are my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, each of us that are 
here is Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire London, this beautiful church that's 14 years and a bit old that you conceived in your great heart of love before time began. I thank you for everyone that's ever been a member of this church. I thank you for each person that has been touched by your love and that has touched you with their love. We thank you for Stuart and Chloe. We thank you for Alistair and Abigail. We thank you for Tom and Abby. We thank you for Zach and Shanice. We thank you, Lord, for Rob Cates. We thank you for Matt and Kate. We thank you, Lord, for, for Steve Tab. We thank you for Kamiko. We thank you for Dwayne. We thank you, Heavenly Daddy, for every person that has been part of this part of your body. And we honor them. And we love them, God. And we recognize that we belong to you, each of us. We're your sons and daughters. And you are our good, good father. And Jesus Christ is Lord of this church. And that you're the king. And we are your sons and daughters, but also your subjects. And we joyfully step up to the plate to be your servants as sons and daughters. And Lord, we present ourselves to you. We come before your throne of grace in our time of need that we might find mercy. We forgive those that have done things that we don't understand. We forgive those that have hurt us. We forgive everyone who left. We forgive everyone who stayed. We just forgive. We give forgiveness. We recognize that Jesus, when you hung on the cross, you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Daddy, you know that we have no clue half the time when we've hurt someone. Thank you for your forgiveness. And we come before you and we say, we're here to do your will. Would you please open each of our ears to respond to your sweet voice and to know your will, to walk in your ways. And we receive your peace. And I thank you. Kate and I didn't appoint ourselves to be the leaders of Catch the Fire World. You appointed us. John and Carol appointed us to be their successors. It wasn't in our minds. It was your choice. But in that, I thank you for this church. And I bless Catch the Fire London. Kate and I bless Catch the Fire London. May the Lord bless you as a church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you, shine upon you, and give you his shalom, his beautiful peace. And Lord Jesus, would you build your church? Lord, would you lead every person that you have something else for into that? And Lord, would you lead every person that you have chosen for this church to know that? And may this church surge forward. And may you bring the nations into the church 
and bring this church to the nations. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen.